nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I am your host, Kian Sabani. We are here for El Dia Después, the segment that is usually two days after and not one day after because Riamja played Saturday in this case. And Lucas Navarrete is here as always for this segment. We are going to talk about the game. We are going to talk about some injuries, rotations. We got a game tomorrow. So we'll see what we can squeeze in in the next 20 minutes or so. First of all, Lucas, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing fine, Kian. Thanks for, for having me as always. Looking forward to it. So um, the biggest story from Saturday was obviously the fact that Fede Valverde is just in God mode right now. But Real Madrid are continually winning games. I think the game against Sevilla was pretty comfortable, all things considered, bar a stretch in the second half, I, w- I would say, if you want to simplify it. Although, like, Mehdi and I broke it down on Saturday night. What was your initial takeaway? What was your main takeaways? Do you want to hit me with like two or three and we can kind of break them down together? What what was your main takeaway? Valverde obviously being one of Real Madrid's uh, best players this season. and uh, He's in in great form. Hopefully this uh, small knock doesn't doesn't kill his momentum or, or, or anything like that. But I, I just think it's time for Real Madrid to earn uh, or to get uh, these big leads in the score as Barcelona seem to be doing at the moment in La Liga, you know, and and just cruise for the last 70 minutes of the game, of the game or so instead of having to, to, to find the goal late in the game as they've been doing in, in recent games, Real Madrid I'm talking about. So I don't know. It's obviously Sevilla is a tough team to beat even though Oh, their struggles this season, but I think it will be good for Real Madrid to 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 play a full 45 minutes with great intensity to in order to earn I don't know a two goal three goal advantage in the score and just cruise for the rest of the game instead of scoring one cruise and then trying to find a goal in the last uh, 15 10 minutes as it, as it happened in in the game against Sevilla. I think it'll be a better strategy to to get a comfortable lead and then cruise rather than getting a, a small, a small margin and then taking your foot off the pedal and, and, and ended up ending up having to, to score or to find a goal late in the game. I'm a little bit conflicted about that one because on one hand, I agree with you. It'd be nice to just like, you know, the ideal thing is to go up three, four nil and then sub off all the guys who need rest and just coast it out. Right. Um, and I think there has there hasn't necessarily been a lack of intent in some games. Like against Elche, you could have had that at halftime. You had some goals disallowed. One of them literally incorrectly disallowed, as La Liga themselves admitted. Um, and so you, in, but and then instead of four 0 it could have also been like two one. It was weird. So uh, and then against Barcelona and against Sevilla, I think Ancelotti has been pretty clear that like look. We also need to make sure we don't lose the game and open up and concede. So there's been a, a different approach in those games in terms of being more conservative. 
And it's funny, if you look at the difference now between this point last season and where we are now, obviously we're one of the three remaining undefeated teams in the top five leagues, along with PSG and Napoli. And this point last season, it was it was we were scoring like three goals, four goals, five goals, and and then conceding three goals, two goals, you know, like and so we were being much more aggressive. We were trying that high press thing, and this season's been a completely different approach right off the gate, and it's worked from a result standpoint. I wonder if, because obviously I'd rather just win, even if it's marginal wins rather than three, four, five nil sometimes, but then drawing games, dropping points because you've opened up too much. I'd rather just win even if it's narrow margins. But I wonder also, is this some of the sacrifice you make now just to be, uh, make sure you get to the springtime in the lead? And if so, I'm okay with that. You know, Obviously, I want bigger wins too, but I, c- I can't complain too much. And so I'm conflicted about that one. I don't really care about you know four or five wins. If you look at the fact that you know, Barca had the big 4-0 win over us last season, but ultimately have only won one of the last seven Clásicos. I think if you add up all of the scores from the last few Clásicos, all these narrow wins over Barca, the aggregate score is like actually a pretty big gap, you know, if you add them all up. So I, I just don't, I don't, I don't really care, I guess. Um, I think if we weren't as deep in certain positions, I would care more. You know what I mean? Like we're going into tomorrow's game without who? Listema Fede? Moric. Valverde, Modric, and Benzema, yes. Benzema, yeah. Um, obviously, Ceballos, too. Like, like tomorrow would have yeah, been a Ceballos. good Ceballos game, but yeah. uh, he's yeah. not there. So, it's going to be a little bit. But we also need, right now, it would be an ideal situation, as you pointed out on Twitter, Kamavinga to step up because he's had a quiet season. He hasn't been as influential. It's going to be a good game for him to step up and do some things. I guess I'm just conflicted about I I don't know if I care as much as other people about big score lines. But it's, it, to me, it's not a matter of. Uh, I don't know if I if I didn't say it correctly or whatever. It's not. It's not a matter of of big score lines or whatever. It's just a matter of of the approach. You know, it seems to me that Real Madrid um, tend to, to to rest a little bit during games as soon as they get the lead, and then they, at the end of the game they have to to find a, a goal here and there to earn the three points. If anything happens, you know, because the lead is obviously not big enough to 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 to, to score a win if you don't uh, if you end up conceding a goal. So, and on the other hand, it's not a matter of getting four nil wins. It's just a matter of taking your foot off the gas a little bit later when or, or with a bigger uh, margin in the score, if you will, in, because I think that. If it if it's not if it doesn't happen that way, I think Real Madrid will end up losing some points, some very winnable or manageable points here and there in games that they've taken their foot off the gas with a one nil lead and they end up conceding in a crazy stupid goal in the 85th minute, which uh, obviously you know you might not be able to 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 come back from. So and this is going to be a a, a very uh, High scoring league season, in my opinion, it's it's just gonna come down to to which team drops uh, le- the lesser points in uh, th- throughout the season, or whoever wins the. For example, if Madrid wins the Clasico at the Camp Nou, they're obviously in a great situation. But 
it, it will ultimately come down. I think I'm predicting a 95 or from 9,500 range uh, season. I think the, both teams are have enough to pretty much cruise against uh, any given team in La Liga, especially now that Sevilla, teams like Sevilla and Villarreal have dropped their form quite a lot. So I think it will be very important not to end up uh, losing these manageable points I'm talking about in, and that they might those points might slip away from you in in certain scenarios where you don't expect them to just because you've taken your foot off the gas too soon in my opinion yeah there's a you bring up great points there and I, I don't know if it was you and I that had this conversation or if because there's just so many podcasts I don't know who I talk to sometimes who I'm having discussion with but I think it was around the same time that Barca were slipping in the Champions League um and then and then they lost Classico. Is that do we are we really gonna go into a ninety-five point league season? Are we sure that Barcelona and Real Madrid are gonna sustain this form? I can't say for sure, but just based on the couple games after Classico where Barcelona had two strong teams, quote unquote strong yeah. teams. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. and just wiped the floor with them. That tells yeah, me yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very possible that Real Madrid and Barcelona do go through. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect season for either team, but yeah, I actually think, you know, we said it before the Clasico that all Clasicos matter, but this one in particular probably really matters more than most years because this is going to be the situation. The other game I would start to maybe circle on the calendar because they're playing a little bit better and Griezmann is playing great is Atletico are maybe starting to become a better team as the season goes on. And and that'll be another game on the on the calendar that you can you can circle as a quote unquote tough game, but I think I think part of the thing is that I hate to say it because I love La Liga so much and I want them to be all strong, but right now I don't like the gap between some of these. I don't know what tier you put them in, but like the Betis, Villarreal, yep. I think Sevilla will get better probably. As the season goes on, I don't know. Bilbao, Valencia, those teams—they're just not as good as Real like, Madrid to win. Yeah, yeah, they're just not as good as, relatively speaking, to the other European giants that we're gonna face. That that these guys will just face. You know what I mean? And the other thing is that, like, you if Villarreal, for example, are playing a Champions League game against or Europa League game against Manchester United. I feel like they'll put in a better performance than they did at the Camp Nou, maybe because they'll be more extra airtight. But against Barca, they just they didn't have the ability to play out of a press. Their defending was terrible. And against and, and Athletic, it's just kind of like more of the same. These teams are, are not as good on the counter. They're, defensively, they were just bad. So I, I, I just... Yeah, anyways, but long-winded way of saying, yeah, I think it's going to be these two at the top of the table with a lot of points in the springtime and it's, and it could come down to these fine margins. Um, yeah. Whoever, whoever takes care of business in a better way against, you know, in, in games like Getafe away, uh, those games, you know, you are obviously expecting sure. a win. <clears throat> Ancelotti makes some rotations. It's cold during the winter. Whoever takes a better uh, care of business 
in those games will win La Liga, in my opinion. It will not even come down to to the Clásicos or the big games against Atletico or whoever, because I mean, if Real Madrid drop points against against Atletico in the second part of the second half of the season, I can see Barcelona dropping points there too. It's just I think I feel like the season will be decided by this winter night games in Getafe or you know the Elches Real Madrid just beat the other day or those smaller teams you are expected to win these smaller teams you are making rotations for but all of a sudden the game goes 1-1 in the 75th minute and whoever is able to score the three points and and win those games I think will will ultimately win win the title with regards to also, because I'm just looking at the minute distribution this season, and this is also the case that it's not that urgent to to start subbing off people in the 60th minute because there's rotations already taking place. There's only five, one, two, three, four, five, six players who have cracked 1,000 minutes this season. And you're going into these games like just rotating anyway. Do you know what I mean? I just like this is not last year. I was much more worried about this. Is what I'm saying. I guess this year it's. I, don't I have think to it's say, I, ex- I, ex- I have to say, I expected a bit more, a bit more rotations against against Elche, for example, the other day. I, I, I was just expecting more rotations the other day. I was, I, I don't know. I it's just the way it goes for me. Obviously, Ancelotti will be forced to make rotations against Leipzig because of small injuries. But, you know, I thought Real Madrid would be comfortable enough with their bench to see a bit more, uh, some more rotations from, from Ancelotti in these winnable, manageable games like the one last week against Celtic, for example. I also have some thoughts and I wanted to throw them at you because this morning I wrote about too many. Um, I'm, the last couple of weeks I've started to highlight players who are not like the main storylines. You know, like the main storyline right mm-hmm. now is like Fede Valverde, for example, Tony Obviously, Cruz. Yeah. These guys are like obviously the stars of the season. Yeah. But last week I wrote about Rudiger. This morning I wrote about Chiuameni. Just to highlight about, you know, these guys are kind of maybe the unsung heroes. I think I think most people agree that Chiuameni is playing well. But uh, I highlighted his performance against uh, Sevilla and just, what I really noted was his amazing press resistance. Anytime Sevilla hounded him, he was really comfortable under pr- pr- uh, pressure, combined with Modric well, combined with Cruz well. Threw in some interesting stats there on the season. He leads La Liga on through balls, which is something I didn't expect. Um, and and, and goal-creating actions, I think he's top 10. He's a player that I would have liked to have rested against Leipzig tomorrow, potentially. Playing a lot, but... He probably won't now with Modric and Fede out. So how do you see it playing out tomorrow in midfield? Uh, yeah, I'm expecting Chouameni, Camavinga, and Kroos uh, starting in the midfield. Possibly Ancelotti would like to start another midfielder, but obviously he pretty much doesn't have any more other than the Castilla players. So he will probably go with uh, with Asensio on the right wing, Vinicius and Rodrigo up front. That's that's what I'm expecting. Obviously, if Ceballos were available, pro- possibly Ceballos will play instead of Asensio. But since Ceballos is just not there, I think Ancelotti is pretty much forced to start uh, Chouameni, Camavinga, and, and, and Cross with Asensio, Rodrigo, and, and Vinicius. When you say potentially starting over Asensio, would you shift the formation to like a 4-4-2? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I think he would go to the 4-4-2. Obviously, he wouldn't have an ideal player like Valverde to play on that uh, on that uh, spot. But yeah, I would expect uh, a 4-4-2 with potentially Camavinga and, and, and Ceballos on, on the flanks. I don't know. It's They would probably shift during the game and all that. But I think Ceballos would be ahead of Asensio in the rotation for an away game as... I was going to say tough. I wouldn't call it tough. Even I, I don't think it's that that difficult of a game. But I, you know, the fact that it's in Germany against a quality team, I think Ancelotti would probably like to start uh, Ceballos ahead of Asensio in this particular context for this particular game. But obviously, Ceballos isn't there, so he will probably be forced uh, to start uh, Asensio on the right wing. Well, a couple things on Leipzig that I think make them a little bit dangerous. They're playing a little bit better now. Than they yeah. they were earlier this season. Although you know I I haven't followed them that closely in Germany. I know they're coming off a three three draw away from home this weekend. But the the other thing that makes them dangerous is that they're fighting for to get out of the group. Mm-hmm. And so that that in itself makes them a little bit more dangerous because yeah. they're playing for something really important. And I, I just saw an Asensio didn't talk too much about him other than his play against Sevilla, which is a great turn and a great pass to Vinicius. Yeah, yeah. This is the perfect perfect place in the squad for Asensio. Perfect. Someone you don't don't rely on as a starter, but someone who can come in as like, what is he now? Would you say fourth? Like the right wing, he's kind of third choice. It really depends on if Rodrigo's playing in the middle, if there's an injury somewhere, but... It goes basically Fede, Rodrigo, Asensio for the right wing. That's perfect for him. And you can come in yeah. with, that, with zero pressure. The game state in the second half is usually a little bit more open. Players are tired. He can play these passes. He can score these goals without pressure. This is perfect for him. This is where, this is where he is. Yeah, but at the same time, Kian, I feel like he's... Like... He's obviously not being great by any means or whatever, but he's producing enough for him to want a better role. Yeah, I'm not talk- I'm not saying in Real Madrid even. Like I feel like he's producing enough for him to you know to sh- to to say well if it's not here let me show this kind of production or take this kind of production of or quality <laughs> elsewhere. I feel like you know at the same time he's producing enough for him to not be sat- completely satisfied with his current role in, in Real Madrid. So that's the, the tricky part. And by the way, we have to be very, uh, very happy or, or consider ourselves very lucky that Real Madrid didn't sell Asensio because the way we're seeing uh, the season and the roster uh, right now, Real Madrid would have desperately needed to to sign someone for that spot just because of injuries, because of obviously Hazard not being the player everyone expected him to be after what he said in Cibeles and all that. But in the end, it's kind of uh, he's playing in a role that it's quite necessary at the moment, for sure. You know what I would say to that, Lucas? If Asensio wasn't here, my Arribas agenda gets pushed up. It's like daily articles. More minutes for Aribas, get him called up. But but yeah, it, but the club may not see it the way I do or we do, so that's a different different subject. But you think well, like Asensio, like what leverage does he have? He can't. It's oh yeah yeah no, you know, no. this is last year. Yeah 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 for sure. For sure. Like if, this is maybe too soon to talk about it, but I just we can just I can ask you really quick. 
what percentage do you put on Asensio renewing? Very low. I'm reading some reports from, from people on Twitter saying that Real Madrid have offered him an, an extension which he has, uh, which he's happy about, but his agent Jorge Mendes is, is encouraging him to to try to find a deal elsewhere. I'm not, uh, I don't think Real Madrid will, I, I don't see those those tweets being entirely reliable. I don't think Real Madrid have offered him an extension just because of the last two, three weeks where he has produced off the bench. I think that ultimately also his goal is probably to to be a big contributor for the Spanish national team. I'm not sure if he'll be that kind of player with the role he's, he's playing in Real Madrid at the moment. So I don't know. My percentage will be 10%, 5%, depending on, on whether or not he's actually going to play big minutes over the next few months or weeks. For example, after the World Cup, if everything, if you know the roster is a bit uh, thinner than like I can see an, a scenario now that he's gotten into the rotation. I can see a scenario where he plays more impactful and quality minutes over the next few weeks or months. Like, for example, if Rodrigo gets an injury right now, since he all of a sudden becomes an undisputed starter, I think. So if I don't know if he keeps producing at a high level uh, on that kind of role, I could see a scenario where maybe Real Madrid reconsider uh, the whole uh, prospect of, of keeping him but ultimately i think it's a very low low percentage here my my quick take on it is that again and this is completely different the way the club may see it but this the season is long there's always there's always room for a scenario later in the season where something like that god forbid does happen an injury essential plays a bigger role and plays well um or he doesn't either way but even if he does, I think there's 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 a there's a couple truths here for me that are pretty non-negotiable. If he goes to a different club, it's a downgrade to Real Madrid. And that is oh, yeah, that is sure. a fact. And I'm not just talking about like oh Real Madrid's the best team in the world, best team of all time. It's just that I, I it's like it's going to be a tier below of team. Mm-hmm. If he yeah, wants yeah, more yeah. playing time, it's not going to be a City, Liverpool. It's not going to be. Uh, Chelsea, it's not going to be, you know, go down the list. It's not going to be any of those teams. It's a tier below. What he may get is more money, but it's probably, then you're talking about a a mid-table Premier League club or something like that. But not even that realistic, I don't think. Like, if he signs for Arsenal, Wolverhampton, clubs like this, I don't think they'll pay more money than what Real Madrid are paying him at the moment. I don't think Arsenal... it's not that... Yeah, Arsenal fans are really know. mad right now that you put them in the same category as Wolves. They're leading the Premier League. They're playing well. Sure, and that's fair. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. But you know, you know that a potential destination for a player like Odegaard, you know, who couldn't find himself a role as an undisputed starter in Real Madrid, yet Arsenal were willing to to give him that kind of role. I'm not sure if a team like Arsenal would give Asensio that kind of role the way they're playing right now. Probably not. No, he but wouldn't maybe, start over Saka or anyone like that. I agree. I agree. But I don't know the uh, the Tottenham's the this club, these Premier League clubs who are always, I don't know, fighting. Arsenal is obviously now leading, but you know what I'm talking about, who are obviously fighting for six, seven in the table. I don't know if he'll get a, a salary raise or a better contract from them than what he has in Real Madrid at the moment. He'll probably be pretty close. In terms of the, a player who is third choice right winger, and by extension, third choice false nine, 
that player is in, in some ways Asensio was a luxury but again the baseline of replacing a player like that in the form of a Brahim or an Arribas is not that difficult so we'll just see how it plays out I don't know I think I think we are I know I know what you're talking about and I know the sentiment here but I think Asensio is a better, uh, like a better player now than both Arribas and Ambrain. Like I agree with I that. Don't, I don't, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I I just don't think Brahim or Arribas would produce the same uh, quality or the same numbers, the same statistics that Asensio is producing right now. I agree with that. Not yet, anyway. But all I'm saying is that when you get to that low in the depth chart, it's you're not talking about replacing. Stars, you're talking about replacing role players, is my point. And so it's not in terms of like priority, and it's not that irreplaceable of a player, is my point. Yeah, sure, sure. But as we as we said five, ten minutes ago, those role players might actually come at hand later in the season, you know. And maybe in those particular games we are talking about, maybe Real Madrid will like to have a sense instead of having to play Arribas or, or in this case, Brahim also. I think, like, you know, Asensio is a more reliable player than those two. And if Real Madrid needs someone to step it up in a certain context by the last third of the season or whatever because of injuries or that, Asensio is more reliable than those two. So, you know, you're always happy to have a quality player ready to step up in those in those particular contexts, even though they're going to find themselves deep on the bench uh, for most of the season. Brahim, by the way, four goals in six Serie A games this season. Mm-hmm. Hopefully turning into the player we thought he'd be. So Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm a big Brahim fan. I thought like last season or last two seasons, I thought he could actually play a role in, in Real Madrid on the right wing. And, uh, it's obviously his performances last season and how he fell off a little bit in, in Milan's death chart. The, the fact that got me a little bit worried about his future in Real Madrid. I'm not sure what Real Madrid think about him in the in the long term. I'm obviously his loan deal with Milan expires next summer. I don't know what the plans are for him uh, inside the club. I don't know what what the club has in store or in mind for Brian. In my opinion, he would be an ideal replacement for Asensio if Asensio leaves. He would be perfect. Like I get the Brian uh, Arribas hype. I don't think he's as close as he, I don't think he's even close to Asensio's quality as much as, as Brian is. I think Brian is a definitely more finished product. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, but you're talking you, like I'm obviously I'm not, you're talking about like what is established. Asensio was established in that sense. He's proven he can score goals in big games off the bench. But I just want like we have to see. I mean, I don't I don't know. Like I also don't think uh, Asensio has turned into the player we thought he would be. Sure. And with that, with Arribas, we just have to see it. We have to see him at a at a top level to know. But uh, yeah. Oh yeah, but but in order for you to see it, the first thing you have to do is get him out of Castilla. I mean, if you don't, if yeah, you don't have those minutes, exactly, exactly. If you don't have those minutes ready for him in the first team, which I might agree with, like the first team might be a little bit too big for him at the moment. That's why I'm advocating for Brian to replace Asensio and not Arribas. But that doesn't mean that I that I want Arribas to stay in Castilla. I think 
already this past summer, Arribas should have left Real Madrid Castilla on a loan deal. I don't or a per, or a or a or a signing or transfer elsewhere with yeah. an option for Real Madrid to bring him back or whatever. Yeah. But definitely, we have to see what what Arribas has in store in in quality Primera División football before we can make a final decision on his on his ability and you are not going to to see that or, or to make that kind of judgment if he play, if he keeps playing for Castilla so my ideal my ideal scenario would be to keep to bring back Brian next summer to replace Asensio I think he pretty much replaces him perfectly I think similar quality already right now yeah pretty much similar um, uh, style of play similar profile similar, of player Similar profile, similar versatility, similar ability to score, similar ability to dribble. So he's a seamless replacement for Asensio, in my opinion. And then you have to to sell Arribas and with an option to bring him back, obviously, to I don't know to a quality club, mid-table club in, in La Liga. I think that's what you have to do. Well, Lucas, we gotta go. Uh, trying to squeeze in 20 minutes into a podcast has proven to be impossible, uh, as predicted. But we did our best. Uh, it was a pleasure. You and I will be back on Thursday to do a mailbag. If listeners want to submit questions and also get access to that podcast, go over to patreon.com slash managingmadrid, where we are also doing a live Zoom podcast after the game tomorrow. So again, to access it, to join it, to be a part of it, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Thanks for listening. Lucas, thanks for your time, my friend. We'll talk yeah, soon. Yeah, no problem. Take care, bro. Bye-bye. Peace. You too.